What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Liberty Poll. I'm your host, Cole Williams, here with my two co-hosts, Blake Batchelor and Hunter Stevens. And Hunter just came back from his week-long honeymoon trip to Disney World, and uh, he's ready to record with you guys and talk about some of the pressing issues that's going on in our world that he might have missed on his uh, hiatus that he took with his new wife. I don't know. How was your trip, Hunter? Did they uh, did they did they make you wear masks the whole time? It was a good trip. Yeah. Well, actually, they just uh, lifted a mask mandate down there, so we were only having to wear masks while we're standing in line, and there was very few people uh, following by that guideline. Well, it seems like a jab, lot of people just don't care. If if you got the jab, they might have uh, they might have let you taken off your mask while you were eating. Oh yeah. If you take something that you don't know nothing about, then they're cool with you uh, prancing around without a mask on. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know, Blake. Uh, I guess you didn't go to Disney World this week, but... Uh, uh, I did not. Me and Blake recorded a banger in, in <laughs> Rock's absence, so I guess we're, ha we're glad to have you back on the uh, on the podcast. And this week we're going to talk a little bit about... A little bit about isolation and maybe the war on terror and Donald Trump's war on terror and Barack Obama's war on terror and then Joe Biden's seemingly escalation in the in the near future of foreign wars and foreign conflicts with other countries that maybe are larger than what we're used to fighting. And uh, we felt like maybe that was a good topic to discuss this week. And I don't know. I've been hearing a lot about Joe Biden being strict and tough on Russia. And I'm not really sure where that's even coming from. And uh, I saw in the news recently that Putin and Biden are going back and forth. And Biden now, like you might get a kick out of this, Biden told, I mean, um, I'm sorry, Putin told Biden that he should respect the humanity, the human rights of the Capitol protesters on January 6th. <laughs> what do you think about that? <laughs> Put a little reverse Uno card on Joe Biden. But uh, yeah. yeah, so that's a, that's a headline, 2021 for you. But uh, yeah, I don't know. What do you think? What do you think about Biden's rhetoric lately, Blake? Yeah, well, Putin seems to be a pretty good troll when it comes to uh, striking up stuff like that with the news media. But as far as Biden goes. I mean, he's always had this, you know, I'm going to talk tough, but not talk, talk tough, but not too much about it. But as president of the United States, those tough words can get us in a lot more trouble than I think he, uh, he knows. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to take you behind the schoolyard, Putin. Yeah. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to beat you and then lick, uh, lick my ice cream. You know the thing. Right. I'll give you a knuckle sandwich. Yeah. I'm not sure that the coherent babbling to the second or just country and world superpower is uh such a good idea from the from POTUS but uh Biden and company seems to not have too much regard for human lives or our military members considering neither him or Kamala Harris said a word about Memorial Day other than have a have a nice long weekend I know the right had a field day going after them too about that did you see that did you see that rock on the uh, social media yeah. the interwebs this week yeah I even saw people uh that was driving through Arlington Cemetery and apparently they saw some graves without flags on them, which I don't, I don't know how that's true. I saw pictures of, uh, like, military people going out there putting the flags out themselves. But they said that uh, it was Kamala's fault that there wasn't flags on the graves of the people at Arlington. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. But, um, and the guy was basically crying in his car. It looked like Biden derangement yeah. syndrome to me. What do you think, yeah, Blake? I, I, I <laughs> yeah, saw that. That, that was... was 
I did see that video. It was kind of snowflakey, yeah. in my opinion. Well, the right yeah, has the, assumed snowflakes. Yeah. On the other hand, yeah. that is very disrespectful for her to say that it's a long weekend. I know a lot of people that aren't really, don't know the just behind Memorial Day, kind of do just look at it as like a long weekend. And a lot of people just don't think nothing of it because everybody says like happy Memorial Day or happy Labor Day. They don't really talk about why unless you see like a couple people talking about like respect for the fallen soldiers and stuff like that. Well, here's the thing. And here's something I actually want to touch on y'all about, uh, touch, touch on tonight with y'all about, and, um, I wasn't sure if we were even going to get into it, but it came up early. So I'm going to go on and say, it. I think that Memorial day maybe is a, a good time for us to have an important conversation that needs to really be had in this country that people aren't willing to have. We have one side that's going to use the troops as their proxy pawns to stand up and wave the American flag and scream at the other side and then the other side will do the same thing to that side as soon as they make a mistake in their rhetoric and I think the rhetoric needs to be that we need to examine whether we come to the conclusion that they did die for a good reason or not we really need to sit down and examine why these men and women died over the last 70 years because we have wars like Vietnam wars like the first Gulf Iraq invasion Afghanistan Pakistan and Syria where guys are dying and and you you really got to sit down and you got to you got to talk about and this is no disrespect to the men and women that did die I have all respect to those to those people who whatever side of the conflict they were even on I have respect for somebody who'll grab the gun or grab the weapon and get up and fight and do the thing but we do need to have an important conversation and Memorial Day is as good as day as any to say are we are we really looking out for and preserving the lives of our service members and and really and selling their lives dearly? If we're going to sell their lives, we need to sell it dearly for a specific interest and for for a specific defense of our country. I don't know if that makes sense to you guys. What do you think, Blake? Yeah. Well, before we go on, I want to point out. I think Kamala and Biden did eventually post some type of memorial day. They did. You yeah. know the standard BS, and the whole controversy was just you know, standard Fox News trying to stir up a news story. But to get to the point you're talking about, I, I agree that, you know, Memorial Day has got where it kind of, seeing the post and stuff pissed me off because I know the type of people that are posting these long, drawn-out, you know, by-the-book Memorial Day stuff, and the very next day they're going back to supporting the policies and politicians that sent these young men and women off to die for decades at this point. And like I said, that's no disrespect to the people that did die. It's absolutely tragic what's happened to them, but... Like you said, Memorial Day is a good as time as any to reflect on why they died and if they had to die and if people in the future have to die for the same reasons. Well, I actually think it's uh, – and, and and like I said, this is a very touchy subject because we do have that respect for the men and women that, that would do that and, and for the ideals that they held when they gave their lives and sold their lives, obviously to them, as dearly as you can sell it. But mm-hmm. I think that we can come from a position of – utter respect to those people to say hey these people died it's over that happened it's a tragedy even if it was a just war it's a tragedy it's the loss of a human life the loss of a noble life but it's time for us to have a conversation on maybe did those people die for a reason that they didn't understand and maybe a reason that wasn't really worth dying for in the end were they led and were they misled by people who had ulterior motives and the same people who were not actually on those front lines laying down their lives, but they were trying to boost up finances for some board of directors for some companies, or they were 
serving geopolitical interests that the American people couldn't get behind. And we, I mean, I, I, I feel like that if you really do come from a position of utter respect to the people that have died, that conversation does need to be had and we can have that conversation and, and still remain respectful to the families that have carried on that tradition and carried on that memory of these people that have died. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. What do you think about that rock? Yeah. I, I mean, I totally agree. Like, I mean, I think all of us can sit here and just think of, uh, like the Vietnam war for just an example. Like, I mean, all these, uh, young kids younger than us are getting drafted going to a war that they don't really know anything about. They just got a paper in the mail and now they're getting they shipped off about. a place. They have no nothing about. They don't know how to use their weapons. And they're just going to camp for two weeks to learn a brief intro course that's probably worse than anything you can find on YouTube today. <laughs> and then you go to a land that you know nothing about, full of people who grew up in their area, and they just get slaughtered for absolutely no reason. And for 20 so, years, too, yeah. man. Uh, it, it wasn't yeah. like it was a year and we realized that, we hey, we messed up. Let's pull out. We stayed there, what, right at 20 years, right, Blake? Uh, I, I know it's somewhere in that yeah. ballpark. Yeah, and it, uh, it, Vietnam yeah, to me is sure. the largest travesty. I mean, we killed so many civilians. We had so many men and women die, and 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 the men that went over there that were conscripted, that conscri- conscription's an evil in and unto itself that we can talk about even later in this episode, which kind of pertains to our yeah. topic of choice this week. Mm-hmm. But yeah. you, like like Rock said, you get drafted to go fight based on something that happened that was. Quite literally, a government conspiracy, the Gulf of Tonkin, that's been proven and released in government files. And you're fighting on the basis of something that was doctored by the American intelligence services and the American government. And you're going out into a jungle where you don't know anybody, you don't know anything about the place, you don't know how to fight, you're just a boy, and you're fighting other boys. And those boys are just defending their homeland. And, you're, and, you, yeah. and you come under the ideals that you're coming to defend your homeland. And, and really, it's... Like war is a human travesty, whether it's a just war or not. It's a, it, it really is. A, it's a tragic event, and young men die, and the people who send those young men never die, and generally they never pay the consequences of that war. But yeah, uh, I, yeah, totally I agree. I agree with you, Rock. Um, yeah, and Blake, <laughs> I know you know that. Uh, I don't know if you've read any of those files that have been released about the Gulf of Tonkin incident, but that was most certainly a cover up. Sure. And that's, that's a tragedy in and of itself. And it's kind of like Bush telling the American people that there was weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. And I'm yep. not sure if you guys have seen anything that can contradict what I'm about to say, but there's been no proof of that still. And look how many no, Iraqi civilians died and military members died. And then now we're in Afghanistan at, and we're still in Afghanistan. We're in Pakistan. We're in Syria. We're in Yemen. And it's, it, it's, it's, it's tragic that government and government officials and bureaucrats can lie to American boys and girls and make them go overseas to fight for something they don't necessarily understand or want to do. Sure. Yeah, it seems yeah. like most of the weapons they got aren't even their own weapons. It's weapons that came from the U.S. or Russia. I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's not even it's not even our fight to be in in the first place. We're losing our civilians for a cause that has absolutely nothing to do with the U.S. Oh, of course. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm, I, you guys know about this, but our listeners might not. And you can and you can look this up, and you can read this in multiple historical books or multiple historical schools of thought. 
the American Central Intelligence Agency was funding Osama bin Laden and the Taliban in their fight against communist Russia when Russia occupied Afghanistan. Correct me if I'm wrong, Blake. And then, as soon as that, as soon as the Soviet Union withdrew from Afghanistan, America did not uphold their promises to bin Laden or the Taliban. Bin Laden and the Taliban obviously turned their guns around on the United States. Mm -hmm. So bin Laden was an asset for the CIA for many years. I'm sure you know about that, Blake. Yeah, I mean, that's not even really a secret at this point. Uh, They funded bin Laden. They funded Saddam Hussein at points during the 80s. They funded al-Qaeda offshoots since 9-11. I think it's al-Nusra is the new name, but it's all the same group. Yeah. There's the yeah. joke. You want to know who the next United States enemy is going to be? Look at who they're funding right now. I think that's what that's a Dave Smith quote or Scott. Yeah, that's, a da- that's a Dave yeah. Smith one liner right there. Yeah. Uh, I was waiting for you to bring that one up because I know you're, you're a Dave Smith guy, as am I. But yeah, that, I mean, it's 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 true though, and it's sad but true that we we really are funding our own enemies. And here's and here's the thing that we can learn from history is great countries that have become empires from extend, extending themselves and extending themselves are going to eventually fall. And I feel like mm-hmm. we are becoming an empire. Like we, we've been very imperial, empirical in the last uh, 20, 30 years. And we've really extended ourselves far beyond what I think our nation's capabilities could really be assessed to cover or to, with, to withstand or sustain. And, you look at Rome, they extended too far. The Ottoman Empire extended too far. And places like that, uh, all these places extended too far, and then they had problems within, and that's why the country eventually crumbled. And the British Empire also, for instance. And I think we could learn a few lessons by that. We have so many problems in America right now. We have so many things that we can address and we can conquer and we can we can really work together on to fix things and make everybody's lives better, more peaceful, and 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 filled with more freedom and flourishing. And instead, we're in Iraq, and we're in Afghanistan, and we're in Pakistan, and we're in Syria, and we're in Yemen. And we're doing things to people that we don't understand, we don't necessarily care about. And the only reason why we're doing it is for geopolitical reasons that 20 people in the United States actually understand and and want to do. <clears throat> yeah. I was just looking up. It is al-Nusra Front. Is the It's basically al-Qaeda in Syria. And the United States has been funding them because they were fighting uh, Assad's regime in Syria. Oh, great. So the United States has been funding an offshoot of the, the organization that attacked us on 9-11. That's right. That's right. So so I, I, know, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. So we funded, we funded that, that sect of, tal- of, the, of, of the Taliban. And when we funded them, they started attacking Assad and his military. And then Assad cracks down. And then America says, we got to go into Syria. So that's where that whole story came from. I know exactly what you're talking about, Blake. And Scott Horton does a good job of talking about that. But yeah, so we, so basically we, we funded Assad's enemy to attack Assad, waited for a response from Assad, then used that as an excuse to go in and try to topple his regime. And it's it seems, the same story with ISIS. I'm pretty sure the United States supported them at one point too. Yeah, they did, and that was also yeah, in Syria, I believe. Yeah. So yeah, that's. I mean, honestly, that should be. And, and you can, like I said, the listeners can research this, but most of the listeners would already know this, and, it, and it's it's like a. It's becoming almost like a. 
like a game. It's like mindlessness. Like you understand what's going on, but what are we really supposed to do about it? And then you have candidates like Donald Trump. Well, honestly, George Bush ran on isolationism. Barack Obama ran on ending the wars in the Middle East. And then Donald Trump runs on ending the wars in the Middle East. And we're here in 2021, and we're still in the Middle East and all these countries that we were in when George Bush was running for office. And that I think that tells you all you need to know about our bureaucratic system and our national defense system. And I, I'm not sure that it really is 100% the president's fault at this point. I think that they're kind of being co-opted into doing things based on bad intelligence and uh, bad intentions by people who have been in the system for a really long time. Yeah. Well, you know, there was that report. As Trump's presidency was, kind of, presidency was coming to an end, that high brass in the military was withholding information from him about troop withdrawals in Afghanistan. Yeah, I saw that. Which that is was, just crazy to me. Yeah, that's absolutely insane. And for for the for the statist listener that that we have, whatever side you lean to, if you don't if you don't have withdrawals from that or like be taken aback by that information, there's you've fallen into a political game that is very dangerous for your for your mind because we're talking about the intelligence agencies that we fund not telling the president vital information who we voted in about foreign threats and foreign activities uh, yeah i agree with you Blake. that's absolutely ridiculous but this thing on the right where and i've been hearing it a lot since donald trump got out of office that he didn't start any new wars he was an isolationist president he didn't do it he didn't kill everybody in the middle east and that's just it's not true to be honest with you he did not start any new wars which i'll commend him on but donald trump actually increased so yeah donald trump increased civilian deaths in afghanistan by like 330 percent in his four years in office compared to barack obama and the end of the george bush administration which is just absolutely ridiculous and astronomical and i wouldn't have thought that i would have honestly not even thought that unless i had read i've read a couple things about it and that, I don't think that even gets out enough because the American public doesn't really care about the atrocities that we're per- perpetuating on other people in other countries because we got too many partisan issues in our own country. But that that's a travesty to kill people who have never really probably even heard about the Americans and the American people. And these are just kids and women. And we're drone striking them because their dad might or might not have ties to some organization who's operating in their own country and maybe or maybe not doing bad things, who knows. And the fact that that's not talked about enough is crazy, but I just want to put that out there that Donald Trump did not just, he he had blood on his hands as well. He wasn't just some isolationist president who was peace and love and tried to fix everything in, in America and didn't hurt anybody outside of America. That's just, that narrative's not true. I will say, Donald Trump did do a good job of making it hip on the right to be anti-war, which is, uh, I'm sure you, Blake, and Rock would agree with this, is a very good thing, because the right has traditionally been the gung-ho, let's go to war first party, and I think that's changing a little bit, thanks to people like Tucker Carlson and Donald Trump, and I'm, I'm very glad about that. I don't know. What do you think about that, Rock? Yeah, I mean, to your point about um, about Trump and the drone strikes, I mean, I would be interested in seeing how many of those were actually like led by Trump or if it was, I mean, we've talked about it a couple of times, I think in our first podcast about, about the people that Trump put around them and how they were more of a warmongering people than yeah. even Trump is himself. And I, back to the bad thing about bad intelligence. I mean, I don't know if he's like, Hey, there's, there's like 10 civilians here, but there's one bad guy. I think we should go after him anyway. 
And Trump's just like, yeah. I mean, Trump's obviously not, he's not, we didn't put him in there to be a big uh, military genius. I mean, obviously he had no military background, and he's putting himself with somebody like Mad Dog in there. I mean, who's apparently a what everybody says is a military mastermind. And Trump's just like, well, this guy's pretty good, and let's just listen to his judgment. And, I mean, if you get bad judgment, you're going to get things like that to happen. I don't know if Trump signed off on every single one of those drone strikes. I mean, I'm pretty sure he did not. Like, I would have to go back and see exactly what drone strikes were in that 330% that you're talking about. But, I mean, I think the drone strikes that Trump more more or less hears about are, like, the big things, like the uh, like the fellow who died. I, I'm kind of blanking on his name right now. Um the Iranian general, is that who you're yeah, talking about? Yeah, yes, the, yeah, the general. Soleimani. Um, bigger thing, yeah, yeah Soleimani, yeah. And uh, I think people like that, he kind of gets informed on, but I mean, if he's, like we were talking about before, if he's not get, getting informed accurately about how many people are, are in the Middle East, I, I don't think that they're really telling him too much about a little drone strike that might take out 50 civilians. I mean, but he's I know still that might sound crazy. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the the chain of command always goes to the top. So as much as it's might not be him pulling the trigger, I mean, he's always the one responsible. For yeah, because you could definitely say also that he's not responsible for any of the good things that he did during his presidency yeah, I mean, at the right yeah, times, too. So, yeah. yeah, I agree with you that, yeah, I mean, there's a bit of, both ways. Yeah, so he, he's still responsible for it. And I just wanted to, like I said, I'm not going to bash Trump, but I am going to set the narrative straight because I don't like – I. So, for, so I tend to lean right. I, I do – like Donald Trump to some extent, and I think he did some good things. But you also need to tell the truth and be willing to deal with the facts facts of the matter. And the facts of the matter are Donald Trump killed 330% more people in Afghanistan that were civilians than Barack Obama did in eight years. And actually, I think I wrote down something about that. So Donald Trump averaged from 2016 to 2019 1,134 civilians per year in Afghanistan. Barack Obama from 07 to 16 averaged 582 civilians in Afghanistan. Now, whether that's Donald Trump, hey, we're going to sign off on this drone strike and we're going to do this, I think you make a good point. Obviously, that's not that's not what happens. But it's still, I mean, that's that's a rather large increase yeah, over a, a decent period of time. And that yeah, that's, that's pretty substantial. Increase. So that can kind of knock out the narrative right now that Donald yeah. Trump was some peace-loving hippie in the White House who... Uh, who didn't increase any kind of warfare in the Middle East? Yeah. All right. Hey, Cole. I'll, I'll be right back. I, I got to make a call, a business call. But All I'll, right. I'll dude. be right back in here. All right. Yeah, Blake. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't like like me and you have talked about. We don't want to necessarily bash Trump all the time, yeah. but it is important to set the record straight because you you don't want right. to be misrepresenting facts and telling people things that maybe are partially true about Donald Trump. You, you lay out the facts. Yes, Donald Trump didn't start any new wars. I agree with that. He had some atrocities in Yemen that we can talk about. He had some atrocities in Afghanistan that we can talk about. But he did not start any new wars. He made it hip on the right to be anti-war, which like me and you have talked about, especially with like people like Tucker Carlson, has been great. It's been a great thing to see within like this right-wing populist movement that we've seen. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. That's his, like you said, making it hip not to be or to be anti-intervention is that's probably one of his most important outcomes of his presidency, in my opinion. I mean, the guy ran on absolutely trashing George Bush during the debates and ended up winning. 
Yeah. And you got guys like Tucker Carlson, which is probably the most important conservative, you know, mainstream conservative voice on TV or internet or anything who's very anti-intervention. So that's at least, it makes me a little bit optimistic about uh, the future as far as that goes. And I will say this too, that I'm, I've been increasingly optimistic about this next decade in American politics, which just sounds insane. But, uh, I think Ron DeSantis is going to make a great candidate in 2024 if the Republican Party decides to run him. And we'll, that's to be determined. I'm sure they'll, they'll try to push Trump in if they get a chance. But, man, DeSantis is solid, and I think he's anti-war like, like Trump says he is and like Tucker Carlson is. I really do think he's anti-war. And yeah. DeSantis knows about war. He reads a lot. He's a very, very bright guy. My only thing about DeSantis is he's a big-time thin blue liner. But yeah. I can really, I can largely look past that if we're going to stop the travesties going on in the Middle East. Yeah, I haven't seen too much about his foreign policy. Um, But the Republicans would be absolute fools not to run him at this point, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely the the superstar on the right right now. We're talking about, we're talking about Ron DeSantis, Rock. Uh, I see you back in the call. Sorry about that, guys. Yeah. Yeah. He's running a business. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah we were talking about how Ron DeSantis is is got to be the new brainer for the 2024 campaign for the Republican Party, and and what's really led me to do a little bit of optimism. Like I said, I've said this, and I'll say this again on the podcast. I'm not a Republican. I dislike the Republican Party a lot, but DeSantis is a, a very sharp candidate. Just like if they ran Tulsi Gabbard on the Democratic ticket, I'd be hard pressed not to vote for her in 2024. But that's obviously not going to happen. We're going to get. We're gonna get the cop who will throw you in jail for 35 years, and then and then post a picture of her as a little girl talking about her riding a school bus in California as the uh, presidential candidate. And uh, instead of Tulsi Gabbard, we get Kamala Harris, and I think that should tell you everything you need to know about the Democratic Party at this point. Yeah, I think Ron DeSantis has that um, kind of a group mentality, like kind of a team rooting for him mentality that Trump kind of has too. So yep. I think it's easy for Republicans can, to rally around somebody like that who's a little bit more, uh, how will I say it, a little bit more brash than somebody like Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz has definitely came out of his show a lot, but I think a lot of people will kind of look at him and Jeb and some of those other guys, kind of like weaker guys instead of more of a, I would hate to say it, but like an alpha type guy. <laughs> and I, I think I think Republicans kind of go for that where Democrats kind of – Go go the other way a little bit, so they want somebody weak and non-threatening. Yeah, but like, I mean, Biden. if you look at it, I, well, DeSantis is definitely a populist, but I'm not sure that he holds the same populist views that Donald Trump holds. I think I think DeSantis is pretty based in his principles of conservatism, and some yeah. things obviously we wouldn't agree with on that, but some things, you know, he, DeSantis stands up for his people. Like like it or not, DeSantis stands up for the people that voted him in. And and he he's not a tyrant. He's not he's not somebody who's gonna use his power against people and 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 hurt people who are weaker than him. Like some of the Democratic governors we've seen who have locked down their economy and thrown people in jail for breaking their mandates. I mean, he's no tyrant. He's no he's no draconian governor. But he he's a fire breather. He he'll, he'll come out and he's not gonna let he's not gonna let the media slap him around. He's not gonna let Democratic candidates slap him around. And I think. I think what I like about DeSantis, and Blake, maybe you agree with this, DeSantis is really has the best qualities of Donald Trump and, and doesn't have some of the some of the not so good qualities of Donald Trump. I don't know. Right. Would you agree with that, Blake? Yeah. Yeah, he can 
like you said, he can go out to press conferences and beat back reporters and you know other candidates and stuff. But the difference between him and Trump is he's got numbers to back his stuff up. He's got information. He can actually know what he's talking about instead of just you know calling somebody a dog or whatever <laughs> other insults Trump like to use. Or, or as our our great incoherent president would say, uh, a uh, a dog faced pony soldier is that what he called that girl right. at the rally? A lying dog faced pony soldier. Yeah, yeah, a lying dog faced <laughs> pony soldier. And, and I just want to point out that if, if anybody on the right said that to a girl, their campaign would be over that day. It would literally be over that day. And, and I, I think I need to restate this one more time. We are not Republicans. We're just calling it how we see it. And and they would be done that day. The media would never stop talking about that until their campaign was over and they lived in isolation for the rest of their lives. But they and, – and Joe Biden largely hasn't even been hit with a tough question since he's been the president from what I've seen. I don't know if you guys have seen anything differently than that. The media just throws him softballs every time they oh, interview yeah. the man. Every underhand it to him. And they have to, though. They have to throw him softballs because he can't, he can't formulate his own thoughts. And, and whether you like Biden or not, you have to admit that he's in cognitive decline. I, he's very incoherent. And we have him saying loose things to, to, to Putin and basically talking trash to Putin, who's the second word, who, who has the second largest superpower under his thumb and can, and, and Putin, Putin's no pushover either. And, and that's the kind of thing maybe we were talking about is these people might say some good things about the troops that died on Memorial day, but then now you see they're using our troops and our military as pawns against Vladimir Putin for no other reason other than to gain political points for him being a tough man on Russia. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, to your point, I I hope that uh, Joe Biden's translator has a lot more um, cognitive ability than Joe Biden does. Uh, I wonder I wonder if he like translates into a complete sentence for him whenever he's talking to Putin. I bet Putin <laughs> thinks he's like a extremely smart guy. Like, well, you know what I'm saying? But I uh, I mean, yeah, it's it's extremely frustrating to see one side and then see the other from the questions that Trump was getting asked. And if you watch a press conference, like I was watching some the other day from uh, Biden and a lot of his questions, if, if you watch it, you can see they're very closed in questions. So it's 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 a lot of yes, it's a lot of no, or it's a lot of what do oh, you yeah. think? It, it's it's not very like it's not very drawn out where he has to get a, give any kind of elaborate answer where Trump's were very kind of detailed and he would just kind of give a short answer. Like I'm not saying that or Trump would rabble on about something and, and then it, it would kind of get to the point where we kind of not where Biden doesn't even get any of those. Cause I mean, I don't think they want Biden talking where they wanted Trump talking, but because Trump would get himself in a bind, they would both get themselves in a bind, but they just wanted one to do it and they don't want the other to do it. That's the difference. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, just, it, this this should be clear as day to anybody with a brain that can formulate their own thoughts. But have Donald Trump's son be addicted to crack cocaine, be on a board in Ukraine on a power company that he he knows nothing about, has no expertise on at all, and his dad's heavily influencing in Ukraine. Leave a laptop full of documents and things proving that, and proving that he smokes crack and he sleeps with hookers and he does all this nefarious stuff. And see how many softballs Donald Trump gets in the press the next day. Oh yeah, yeah, you can't forget the ten percent about the ten percent for the big guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If that was if that? Trump yeah. would be done. If that I mean, was the other impeached. way around, if that was Don Jr., he would be done for. 
Yep, he would be impeached. There's no doubt about it. The Republicans and Democrats would impeach him. Yep. And there may be absolutely nothing to what's on the laptop, but we don't know because they haven't asked any questions about it. Yeah, journalism is dead, man. I I mean, it really is journalism. And journalism has really been a thing on the left that they've been really good about. Like people like Greenwald and Taibbi and, and, and guys like that. But now you see you see Greenwald and Taibbi, they've really largely been been kind of kicked out of the fold on the left because they are and people like Kyle Kulinsky because they were there like during the Russiagate scandal and they were saying this obviously isn't true about Donald Trump. It, it was all it's, it was all formulated and it was all a conspiracy to impeach Donald Trump. And Greenwald called it out and Taibbi called it out and Kulinsky called it out, Marr called it out. All these guys called it out, and these guys now you've seen been kind of pushed out of pushed out of their own fold and they're kind of men without countries now because the real journalists on the left are no longer respected and no longer heralded now they're now they're the enemies of the left because the corporate media has no interest at all at shedding any light on any kind of establishment politician at this point yeah to blake's point blake made a really good point just then about uh basically not not asking him anything about it. I think that really hurts him more than it does help him. Because I mean, now there's a lot of people who have these questions about is it real? Is it not real? Compared to the way they delve into Donald Trump's Russia probe, everybody was like, well, I mean, it went all this way, and they really didn't find anything. So I guess he didn't do it. Like it, it makes me think that there was more to Joe Biden's thing. They just didn't look into it because they didn't want him, anything to happen to him. Well, yeah, well, yeah, from an outsider's okay. point of view, you know what I'm saying? Like, they're obviously, if they're not willing to look into it fully, or they're not even willing to mention it, then there has to be more substance to it than a lot of people think. Well, there's substance just based on what they found on the laptop, and nobody from the Biden oh, administration's yeah. even claimed that that's not Hunter Biden's laptop. Like, it's Hunter Biden's laptop. If it wasn't, they'd come out and claim that it wasn't his laptop. They've not once said it wasn't his laptop. They've mm-hmm. just danced around the question. And like they I said, they just don't talk about it. Yeah, they've just been getting softball questions, if anything, about the issue. And it, it's astounding, to be honest with you. Oh, and no follow up questions. Like, no follow up questions at all. Like, they might ask a hard question, and they're like, oh crap, I asked a hard question, and better not say anything else. And then just it just changes the subject. Be like, okay, thank you. Yeah, uh, it's journalism's dead, and it's a sad thing because journalism, while maybe it's not a respected profession, and there's a lot of dirty journalists that do a lot of nefarious things to get the information they get. Journalism is a good thing, and it's and it's really a it it's it's kind of a gatekeeper of a like a democratic republic and a free society, and we've largely lost our ability to to have journalists tell us the truth and tell us things that we need to hear as the American people. Now we just get all these cover-up stories and we get all these formulated opinions from people who have been groomed by the corporate media. And it, and to be honest with you, we're, we're not getting anything close to the truth. And, and that's why you see like people on Twitter or people like Joe Rogan. Like Joe Rogan's podcast has absolutely taken off because that's, that's where people yeah, go people, to get the truth I mean, now. That's, that's and, why we're doing a podcast. Yeah, exactly, and that because because you because it's an echo chamber on the corporate media. So, people like Joe Rogan and people like Alex Jones, they want to ban them off. They want to ban them off the internet because the corporate media is losing so many listeners and so many readers because they're they're shifting over to these people on alternate platforms because these people are giving them both sides of the issues. Maybe not Alex Jones, but people like Joe Rogan are giving them both sides of the issues and and really letting people gain information 
and make decisions for themselves. And obviously, corporate media has no interest in doing that. But uh, yeah. I'm sorry, Blake. What were you saying? Well, just to go to that point, I mean, I have plenty of issues with social media sites like Facebook and Twitter and what it's done to culture and the type of people it puts together and the thoughts it fosters. But at the same time, the reason the corporate media and the, the establishment politicians want to go after things like that is because it's really broken the stranglehold on information that they've held for you know decades or centuries at this point, which is why I'm always wary when people are uh, promoting some type of... Uh, government regulation of Twitter because they banned the president or Democrats wanting to regulate Facebook because they say it fosters misinformation. That's all a ploy just to get the, the like I said, the stranglehold information back in their hands. Yeah, and that's that's the key to controlling any society is controlling the information. That's why and kind of to that point, there was so people people and some like people like Charlie Kirk who I have a lot of things that I dislike about Charlie Kirk, but he says that uh, that the internet and technology is a bad thing and it's anti-freedom, and I could not disagree more. Yeah. In the last three to four hundred years, as we've seen innovation and industrial, the industrial revolution and innovation, which really correlated with the Renaissance uh, about fifty years earlier, as we've seen that rise and as we've seen innovation rise and human flourishing rise, we've also seen people become more free whether we don't feel free or not right now we're a lot more free than our ancestors were in the 15 and 1600s and there's no there's no debating that at all these people were in a situation where they couldn't even read their own bible because it was in latin and yeah. nobody knew latin but the clergy and and now we have all this information at our fingertips and i think maybe that's why we're seeing such a a partisan climate because people really can get access to any kind of information they want, whether it be true or not. They can get access to the people they want to hear when they want to hear it. Instead of everybody hearing Walter Cronkite every night, if the left wants to go listen to Kyle Kulinski and the right might want to go listen to Ben Shapiro. And then they right. come together on Twitter and they scream at each other about points that each made that they interpreted Ben Shapiro making or Kyle Kulinski making. They scream at it. They scream over each other on Twitter and we and, and then. Twitter cracks down because obviously Twitter's in the back pocket of corporate media. And but I would say that technology and the information that we've been able to get from like like Blake said, the same reason why I'm weary of of legislating Twitter and Facebook is because I I think it's a very important platform to get information that we once could not get and we had to go to CNN or Fox News or CBS. So I don't know, that's kind it's of not perfect, but it's a lot better than the alternative, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I mean, there's, there's... I believe it's out there, like you were saying, Cole, with the people are going to listen to whatever they want to listen to. I think that's kind of where today's society kind of goes into a bad slump. Is I mean, I think they're just hearing what they want to hear, and they're in a, uh, in a rut. And they can't dig out and hear any other things, because once they start hearing this one idea, then everything that is gets sponsored on these uh, social media pages is just more of the same thing. So they're hearing it over and over again, and that's what's popping up on their page, and that's what they're hearing. CNN's popping up, and they're supporting all these claims. And Yeah, yeah I actually all their, I agree with you. You're just all their, their little world consists of is these three social media pages. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you don't really – it's not like you load into Facebook and you – the adventure right issues 
is what the we lost you a little bit rock um yeah i'll, I'll pick up where you were at um yeah i kind i agree with rock we're like uh it's kind of like the algorithm they're never in that algorithm we lost you a little bit, Rock. I, I started talking over you because uh, your internet went out for a second. I kind of agree with you, though, I, from what you were saying before you went out. Um, we are kind of – we're part of the algorithm. So if, if you're a right-wing person or if you're a left-wing person, all that's going to be promoted to you on Facebook or Twitter is just a never-ending cycle of more left-wing or more right-wing stuff that you already agree with. And it's just going to confirm your own bias. It's the same thing as a right-wing person going home every night and watching Fox News. And you're probably not going to get the whole picture. If you already agree with everything that that person stands for and is saying to you, you're probably not going to critically think on whether, hey, is he telling me the truth or is he not telling me the truth? Because you're going to immediately assume that he is because he already stands for everything you believe in, which is the reason why you're watching Fox News in the first place, which is the reason why Fox News is an excellent business model. But I think it's something we really need to break out of. And you're immediately going to think the other side's false. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think about that, Blake? Yeah, I think we might have lost Blake a second. Uh, yeah, so I I agree with you. Uh, Blake, can you hear me? Yeah, we lost Blake. Yeah, um, I got you. I'm sorry. What'd you say, Blake? Can you not hear me? Yeah, we can hear you now. We're having a little okay. bit of. Uh, yeah, I was just saying, I largely agree with you. Yeah, we're having a little bit of internet issues tonight, guys. I'm sorry about that. But uh, I also wanted to get to something, Blake and Rock. I'm not sure if I mentioned it to you. But I was seeing people on Twitter comparing Ashley Babbitt to Timothy McVeigh. Did you see anything about that, Blake? And once again, I think we lost Blake. But, um, yeah, so the left is now comparing Ashley Babbitt to Timothy McVeigh. And they're, I guess they're they're saying that McVeigh and, and, and Babbitt were – largely doing the same thing, which is perpetuating terror on others. But Ashley Babbitt was unarmed. She was hurting nobody when she was shot. And she was basically in, in, in the people's, in the people's house where we vote these people in and we paid for the house by taxation, whether you agree with the Capitol rioters or not, which I, I do not. And I don't agree with what they did, nor do I agree with their, their stance that they took when they invaded the, the Capitol building. But, Ashley Babbitt got shot by a Capitol Police officer, and not only did she even get a fair, did she even get a fair shake and a fair look into who the police officer was and why the police officer shot, and maybe was the police officer in the wrong or right? The left is attacking her and and, and demonizing her even after her death, saying that she was an evil person and comparing her to, to the worst terrorist in American domestic history, and that's disgusting to me. Rock, are, are you on now, Rock? Yeah, I think uh, we're having a little bit of Wi-Fi issues, yeah. so we're probably going to close it out tonight. And uh, I appreciate you guys listening to us. And uh, we'll try to get these Wi-Fi issues fixed for next week. And uh, just make sure you really use your mind and critically think when you're seeing these this information and uh, when you're reading things on Twitter and reading things on Instagram because – like Rock had mentioned earlier, you are part of an algorithm. And that algorithm is going to push things that you already agree with and confirm your bias. And that's a dangerous thing when we have people in their own little echo chambers screaming at each other from across the ravine of, of 
separation in this country and, 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 and that separation is just getting wider and wider. And the only way we come together is people really critically thinking and, and realizing there's nuance on both sides and maybe the left's not right on everything and the right's not right on everything, but we have to realize that the only way to get what we have wrong fixed right now is to think for yourselves formulate your own opinions and stop letting other people tell you how to think and really and and search for the facts and 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 care about freedom and care about liberty but care about your neighbors and care about care about what somebody who you disagree with care about their viewpoint and their experience and, and what they have to say don't try to scream over them and speak over them but uh yeah i'm sorry about the, the wi-fi issues tonight guys we're gonna try to get that fixed for the next episode but i appreciate you guys hanging with us and uh just make sure that you're loving your neighbors, you're fighting for liberty, and uh, you love your country, you love your family, and you always focus on human flourishing, and you love yourself, man. We keep on waiting, waiting.